This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast, which focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Petey Pop, and today we have an action-packed episode full of chaotic demon goodness. And with me I have Dan Platt, Mr. Dan Platt from Canada. Dan Platt, say hi to everyone. Hey, everybody. For those of you who don't know Dan Platt, Dan Platt is currently arguably one of the most accomplished Canadian 40k players in history. Ever. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you know, so congratulations, Mr. Dan Platt. He went undefeated last year at ETC, and I'm pretty sure he's going to go undefeated this year, too. On top of that, he did make the top eight at Adepticon and the Las Vegas Open. Not only did he make the top eight, I think he won multiple games in both of them. Or did you just win? Did you, you made it to semifinals at the LVO, right? Yeah, so, so I won uh, round eight at the LVO, and then around one round five at Adepticon. So I would I made yeah a couple round a couple rounds the second day of both days. Nice. So you're currently three and one in brackets in majors. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Or three and two because because of the because of the oh, Adepticon yeah, three. loss. Three and two. Yeah. Still a winning record at the top eight brackets. Brackets. Uh, Dan, I, I had pleasure of meeting you at the Las Vegas Open. Uh, you're a really great guy. Um, you also have really supported supported fiance. I think. Wife. Uh, close enough we'll say that yeah <laughs> she'd like she'd like it if i said that that's for oh, sure. no. <laughs> oh no i put him on the spot um <laughs> but but yeah so so dan platt he he's uh he played de- demons both at adepticon and the las vegas open so he's a really accomplished demon player but on top of that dan platt's been playing for over nine years around nine years and um from what i was talking about him just in general he's an accomplished 40k player he knows his stuff so today we're going to be talking about adepticon the las vegas open what it takes to travel and go to a large event like las vegas open like adepticon and like etc and do well because it's one thing to go to a local gt a local major that's a couple hours drive away with your buddies and do well and it's a completely other thing to go to a large event with a bunch of people that you don't know you know, hundreds and hundreds of players and beat them all and and be one of the be in the top one percent of those players and different formats too on top of that so not only did you go undefeated at etc with a different format but you also made the top eight at adepticon and lvo which means you had to have lost zero games for both of those events as well right. to make the top right. eight and the top 16 mm-hmm. so dan knows what's up dan knows what it what it takes to get to the top so we're going to pick his mind a little there. We're also going to talk about Adepticon. And because last week, unfortunately, we did not have chapter tactics. I'm really sorry about that, guys. I just fell a little bit behind and I couldn't get a guest 
to come on. Um, so unfortunately, we didn't have chapter tactics last week, so we missed the big announcement, which was the Storms of the Emperor, the, the Talon of the Emperor release, um, which released the Sisters of Silence in all their sistery, silencey glory. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. <laughs> very, very quiet. They're they're uh, they're very um, silent about their glory. They're just, yeah, they just shout. Modest. Yeah, they they mouth glory really loudly. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about that and how it's going to shake up the future of competitive 40k at least the near future uh specifically i thought i thought dan platt was a great person to have on the podcast um because i do hear a lot of people talk about how the sisters of silence are going to bring about the end of psychic death stars and the end of chaos demons and the end of psychic powers as we know it um for anyone who can ally with imperium players or the imperium um so we're going to talk about that and then finally we're going to talk about some chaos demons list that you guys can use uh hope i'm sure dan platt he plays a ton of games and when you play a ton of games you probably get really bored playing the same list over and over and over am i right dan it's definitely true yeah so we're going to talk a little bit about the four chaos factions nurgle slanesh corn zinch and what you basically the list you can kind of build to be competitive with those factions and specifically slanesh nurgle and zinch what you can do to mitigate sisters of silence some allies you can bring some models that you can bring formations that you can bring to deal with the sisters of silence um, because there are a lot of people who are going to have troubles with them uh, specifically demon players uh and specifically at the more casual level uh so we don't want you guys to start losing to those dreaded quiet sisters so we're going to help you guys out a little there first adepticon I've never been to Adepticon. Dan, how many times have you been to Adepticon? I've been to Adepticon twice now. How is it? It's great. It's uh, it's huge in scale. It's uh, it's definitely the originator of these massive GT or major level tournaments. Um, they had something like four thousand people walking the floor at some at all different points, playing different games, going to different events. They have some of the best painters in the world coming down and doing um, uh, seminars. Uh, it's it's a spectacle to see for sure. Nice. Uh, did you play in the team tournament? The I did. We did actually. Yeah. Nice. How'd you do there? We did pretty well. We we didn't drop a single game. We actually won best general for the event, or the best tactician as they call it. Um, so the most battle points across the board. Uh, wow. They heavily value. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, they heavily value uh, hobby in the team side uh, quite a bit. And uh, actually, another Canadian team called Northern Defenders uh, won best overall. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was a great. It's a it's a huge event too for sure. I think I'm gonna call Adepticon uh, the Canada Open 2.0. Yeah, the 2017 one definitely was uh, a <laughs> Canadian featured for sure. Yeah, Mini Wargaming was there in full force. Uh, so a lot yep. of people love that Mini Wargaming. Uh, obviously, Dan Platt, you guys, you guys sounds like you guys ran the ran the gauntlet and dominated the field at the team event, which is Adepticon's large flagship event now um the team events have hosted some of the largest 40k tournaments ever um you know 500 600 plus players and the fact that you guys did so well both in the best overall and best general category uh speaks volumes to canadians going to adepticon and doing well which is cool it's really cool it's nice to get people out and traveling uh so tell me a little bit about the 40k format for adepticon for the championships the championships is uh, is very cool actually. Def- every year they have a different format. They have a lot of different tweaks, uh, FAQs, missions, 
Um, sometimes we usually keep the missions secret. This year they actually put them forward and let us uh, test them out a little bit. Um, but as far as that goes, it's it's a three mission format. And what, what I mean by that is you're playing three missions at the same time. So we're playing an Eternal War mission, so end of game objective style. You're playing a Maelstrom mission, um, which I'll get to in a second. And you're also playing kill points in every mission. Wow. Um, so it's it's a it's a heavy format. It's a lot of paying attention. You have to you have to make sure you're paying attention to the three different missions at the same time. Uh, their Maelstrom mission is actually really interesting, quite unique. Um, they have a table of uh, potential objectives, and at the start of each turn, you choose two. So they have they have twelve different objectives. You can choose choose two of them, um, and you can only achieve them that turn. You can never achieve them again. So it actually is is quite different in the sense that you can really. Um, tailor what you need to do each turn to whatever objectives you want to do. Okay, so it's very similar to the format the Renegade Open uses. Uh, I you, think so, yeah. Okay, where you cross off. So if there's, for example, if there's only three options for kill unit and you cross those off, that's it. You can you can only get three points for killing units for the whole Maelstrom mission for the whole game. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah. Okay, so it and, that, and that's actually a very a very a growing Maelstrom mission that people are using. I know a lot of people, especially in the Midwest tournament circuit, they are all kind of switching over to that style. Uh, they're taking the ITC missions, the old ITC missions, not the combined super mega pack, and they're they basically they're tweaking the Maelstrom and taking the random roll out of Maelstrom completely and giving the player 100% agency, which a lot of players like. A lot of players like that control and the ability to kind of strategize around the game and not just let bad luck or bad dice screw you. Um, so that's really good there. And the tell me a little bit more about the Adepticon. I know they allowed the full strength D and unnerfed by the book rules. Mm-hmm. Is that that's true? definitely true. Yeah, yep. So they had unnerfed D, so full strength. But really, that, the only thing that really impacts is the is the six. And if you get six on a D, you're just dead. There's there's like yeah. two units that can survive it, right? Yes. So it's devastating. Absolutely devastating. Very 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 scary for any big model. Um, and the other, yeah, they had uncompton invisibility, uh, which is another big change from the ITC. So that means you can only re- uh, resolve snapshots and only hit them on sixes in combat. Um, and then the other interesting thing is they actually banned all of the angels of death and chaos equivalent powers. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you couldn't roll for, you know, veil of time and you couldn't get any of the heretic powers or phase form or electro displacement or anything of the, any of those, you know, absolutely wild powers. Okay. Was death from the skies allowed? Um, you know what? I don't think so. I don't think you could. I don't think you'd run the formations. Uh, I th- but I don't know 100. I feel like if Death from the Skies was allowed full in its entirety, I feel like you would have seen at least one flyer list in the top eight. Yeah, and the the Death from the Skies rules are are pretty pretty crazy. And that, yeah, you're right. They probably would have been seen. So I I doubt it, honestly. Mm. But they also had a, a lot more liberal stance on Lords of War. Okay. Um. So they had they had a lot of opportunity to take a lot of uh, bizarre ones. They didn't allow the the super tuna, luckily. Good. Um, <laughs> the the all the little ones were allowed. So actually, I played against an orc kill bursta. Oh, I don't even know what that is. Exactly right. It's a <laughs> it's an armor. It's a fourteen twelve thir- or fourteen thirteen twelve seven hull point uh, massive D blast. Wow. Yeah, that's Matt. a scary scary unit. <laughs> so just drop that big pie plate on you and. Started rolling a bunch of hopefully sixes. Yeah. Wow, that's nasty. Okay, yeah. so that's cool. Um, how did so how did that transition from the Las Vegas Open, which is in February, and then really, really 
uh, if you look at the tournament schedule between the Las Vegas Open and Adepticon, the Las Vegas Open really kind of ends the season in terms of for the ITC season, actually just the tournament season in general. And then mm. there's a lot of downtime between February, the end of February and March in terms of just GTs. And then Adepticon rolls around. Uh, so there's really, there's actually really not a lot of practice for between the Las Vegas Open and Adepticon, um, especially because if you factor in, you know, you can only play on weekends and other people's schedules and the length of playing 40k games. Uh, so tell me about how you prepared for Adepticon versus preparing for the Las Vegas Open. For sure. Uh, for Las Vegas Open, um, we have, you know, huge amounts of ITC events, uh, lots of like small OTTs, and everyone's kind of familiar with the ITC format up here. So you can practice it fairly regularly. I went to uh, at least a couple local RTTs with uh, potential Las Vegas Open lists, and uh, I found that went quite well. Uh, but it was, it was fairly expected. Uh, I'm fairly used to the ITC format. Um, the Adeptcon one, luckily, there is actually a GT uh, between um, um, LVO and Adepticon up here in Canada called the Barry Bash, uh, run by Scard or Scardcast. Yes, I, I remember uh, that one. Scard, yeah, a really cool guy. I heard that was a great event, by the way. Good job, man. Yeah, totally. It was a great event. I had a, had a great time. Um, so I got I got a nice uh, a nice little GT practice uh, between the two events, uh, and then jumping into Adepticon, it was really about playing the mission and really figuring out how to use the the different way of they, they ran Maelstrom um, to actually function in the game and actually take, take advantage of that. So I played a bunch of test games. Um, that was the, that was the real the prep work there. Luckily, I've got a crew up here that I can play against that are happy to uh, happy to test things out. So that worked out well for me. But, but that was the main prep was just lots and lots of practice with the actual missions on hand. Okay. Tell us about your list. So for the Las Vegas Open, from memory, uh, your list had Magnus the Red, uh, mm -hmm. kind of like a Screamer Star with the Heralds in Archic Formation, um, some spattering of Brimstone Horrors, and Fate Weaver, I think. And I think that was basically the list. Yeah, that's pretty much it. The one thing that will be in addition to that was I had the mask running around. Okay, so for so for the LVO, you didn't bring the mask. Oh, I did actually. I oh, had you, mask for it. Oh, okay, you did. So I just forgot about yep. the mask. Okay, so with the, with the mask, so with the with that list, how did it change between the LVO format and the Adepticon format? Uh, the main switch that I uh, I changed from LVO to uh, Adepticon was I actually ran Pink Horrors at uh, at LVO. Uh, I dropped them down to Brimstones. I trimmed out a couple extra Wargear pieces like Loki of Trickery, and I fit in a Void Shield Generator uh, into my Adepticon list. Why did you do that? Um, mainly because I was absolutely terrified of Uncomp D. Um, oh, if, if, if somehow that gets through and uh, aces out Magnum in one shot, I, am, I will feel that quite heavily for the rest of the game. Did you have um, any, close, any close calls? Um, not from Strength D, luckily. Strength D wasn't too much of a thing. The, what everyone was kind of scared of was Eldar. The other part um, for Adepticon is they were allowing you to run uh, multiple Wraith Knights with the same armament. So there is a lot of opportunity for double D Wraith Knights being guided to uh, shoot a Magnus whenever he wants, right? Yikes. Um, that's, a, that's a very scary, scary thing. I definitely rolled it out a few times, and you know they can reliably take him out in probably three turns of just D shooting at him. Oh. Um, so that was, that was definitely scary. So that's why I took the Void Shield to let me have the extra 12-inch bubble to try and jump up and hit them before they hit me. Um, so the Void Shield was there, also for Renegades, because Renegades is a very scary thing. Um, 
being able to sit in the void shield armor barrier kind of shuts down quad mortars a bit, uh, at least to a degree. Okay, um, it, that, so that and that's idea. that's interesting because um, Adepticon last year didn't allow Forge World, or they didn't allow certain Forge World lists. Mm-hmm. They're normally really yeah, it was weird a zero about... to one. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Um, and so this year it's the it was the same. Was it the same restriction, the zero to one, or did they allow full Forge World this year? It's actually really interesting. Adepticon went into like when you register for the champs, they had an FAQ out saying that it was only two detachments, which was uh, was a, a big difference compared to ITC. And then every Forge World unit was zero to one, and there were no Forge World lists. Um, after LVO, uh, I guess they had a, a change of heart and they bumped to three detachments and then allowed Forge World lists. Okay, so so, so Forge World was more of a presence. So yeah, so renegades. Yeah. The, the renegades are they're really strong, and this is actually this isn't um, a shot at you, Dan. I think you're you're really smart for preparing for a renegade specifically, as well as just other things in general. Like, what you'll still actually do a little bit of work against like grav cav battle companies, which I doubt you saw because because the format because of kill points. Um, yeah, not so much. But yeah, but um, renegades and gene sealer cole are two armies that have a really, really small percentage of players that play them at tournaments. Just if you look at just the large events in general, um, but people are terrified of them. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. You're you're exactly right. It's, it's not exactly the most common army either because it's difficult to collect or it's difficult to convert or difficult to play. Yes. Um, But at the same time you go up against that game and you play one and they just destroy you. It's a it's a different situation, you know. Yeah, and renegade armies, Gene Circle not so much, but renegade armies in particular always do really well every time I see them at events. No, no mm-hmm. matter what, I'm actually surprised all those players who stopped playing guard. I'm surprised they didn't just switch over to renegades and started playing renegades instead. Um, yeah, really, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, might as well. Uh, but I think you're right. I think it's the accessibility of those armies uh, and people people just kind of being reserved. They're like, oh, Forge World armies, they're not, or maybe they just don't know or. I don't know. So I think we should see a lot more renegades, especially especially because it's so easy to convert renegade or guard to renegades, and because of Brett Perkins' win at the Las Vegas Open, I, I think you're going to see a lot more renegades. So I think that was a smart move on your part to prepare for them and plan for them. Yeah, especially there were you... definitely some renegade players around. Mm-hmm. Actually, one guy who uh, had a, a couple allies of um, renegades made top sixteen. So that's, yeah, that's nice. And, and we'll talk more about renegades when we talk about Sisters of Silence because they're an important ally for chaos. Uh, and then another thing is if you're planning, so there's actually, there's actually two different metas as a 40 K player that you should, or as a 40 K player who wants to make it to the top eight, that you should plan for. Uh, the first is kind of like the gatekeeper armies. Uh, Dan, what are some armies that you can routinely beat that you expect to see every tournament at every large event that you could beat in your sleep that you always build your army to beat? Yeah, there's definitely quite a few of those. You're definitely always looking at Battle Company. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's one you always got to pay attention to. Even in a heavy kill point format, you want to pay attention to Battle Company. Uh, next one would definitely have to be Eldar or Taudar, one of the two, uh, or both, really. <laughs> and then uh, what's the, Demons is up there for sure, but Demons is something that uh, is can be a little more difficult to prepare for. Um, more you have to learn how to play against them rather than like specific lists. Yes. And... Uh, I don't know what what will be the next one. There's there's a lot of good stuff out there. You got them all. You got you got. The, oh, I guess the Death four... Star. Death Star is the big. Oh, oh, Death Star. How could we forget about the, all the Death Stars? Yeah, um, all the Death Stars. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely have to prepare. And those are the most. So we call those gatekeeper armies. Uh, they're gatekeepers armies because they're the armies that are most often net listed by players who want to just 
they they just they want an army that that's already performing really well they don't want to think about uh switching up models or, or changing things up or maybe they don't have a lot of time to play practice games uh so players that want to do well tend to le- gravitate towards those gatekeeper armies because they're perceived as good now i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that uh, the, every game magic the gathering has net net lists or net net decks uh 40k mm-hmm. has net lists war Mahords, i'm sure has it you know even like if you go into like the nfl uh in terms of like pro games there's strategies that everyone kind of copies because it, it works it does well um so a lot of people kind of dream of being innovators and winning with that weird like dark eldar list but that's actually extremely rare and the fact of the case is is that the meta the net list the gatekeeper armies the ones you see all the time the ones that make up 80 percent, 70 percent of the large events those are the ones you have to beat so that's the first one meta that you have to beat and then there's a second kind of like super upper echelon meta that people don't really talk about and that's when you that's what dan's preparing for is dan's expecting to beat all of those gatekeeper armies and go right into playing renegades uh bark star with the battle company that's another one of those lists that you don't see very often uh that'd be brandon grant's bark star with battle company but you mm-hmm. should expect to play brandon grant if he's at an event, if you plan on making the top tables. Uh, and so you start preparing for specific players, specific lists uh, that, that kind of counter other lists. Another example is Matt Root's War Convocation and just War Convocation in general. There's uh, And Necrons, Necron Pylon Stars. And the reason why you need to start preparing for those is not because those lists are going to... The, you're going to see those lists all the time, but when you get to round five and round six, there's a cadre of amazing necron players that all run similar style necron pylon star lists that i would have expected to see all of them make the top eight uh, none of them did but i wouldn't have been surprised if any of them made the top eight and there's the same thing for matt root uh, obviously brett perkin and his renegades and then brandon grant and his wolf star battle company list those are lists you don't see very often but if you plan on making the top tables you, you should expect to be able to beat them or at least beat the players so. Definitely. There's that, like, you're exactly right in describing it as, like, the, the edge. Like, it's, like, the cutting edge of the tournament play. Um, if, you're, if you're going through the, the middle packs or you're coming up to the, to the last rounds and you're expecting to, or aiming, I should say, for uh, going undefeated and moving on to the last day or the top eight, um, you're used to playing, like you said, the Tau, the Eldar, the, all the, the gatekeeper armies. But being prepared for that one matchup that is the one matchup that is the most important, which is usually the last round. Um, having the tools at your disposal to be able to prepare for those weird, um, super advanced list techniques or list uh, choices um, are, is it can be the the difference between winning and losing for sure. Right on. So moving on to making the top sixteen and making the top eight. So you're already there. You made the top eight. You're good. You're happy. Um, you, you probably had some luck. You probably pulled a win out of the skin of your teeth. You probably cruised by a bunch of wins. Now, you, you get to the top 16, you get to the top 8. How does your mentality change from playing six rounds and playing with random players with, like, going from that to going to a bracket where you know pretty much who you're going to play in terms of, like, who do you have to prepare for mm-hmm. and, uh, how, like, how the stakes are a lot higher. So explain that mentality shift. And if there's one, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're just the same Dan every time throughout the whole tournament. I don't know. Well, yeah, you know, for sure. That's at the main point. You definitely still want to be uh, a reasonable, um, nice person. You want to still have a, 
uh, a good uh, potential to have a, a good game of Warhammer. In the end, we're still playing with plastic spacemen. Um, there's no reason to go too overboard most of the time. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, you want to be prepared. Because uh, you don't, like, as much as you know, you can read their list, you don't know what's going to come at you uh, player-wise, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, uh, you know, especially if you haven't played, if somebody makes top eight and you haven't played them before, or you haven't played that army, anything like that, you have to be on point, because um, every point matters in in the top eight, or the top 16. Uh, you can, especially most of the time, because it's uh, single elimination. Um, so you, you can't you can't side, you know squeeze by on a on a minor draw. You if you lose by one point, you are done. Um, so it definitely becomes more stressful and more uh, intense, and that can easily feed through to the game. Um, but it really just means you have to be one hundred percent focused as much as you can be. Um, that that was probably my number one suggestion if you're trying to get to that point. Is focus is what it's about. You have to be ready to you know basically be in the table in the game, not you know, paying attention to everything else around you. Nice. Uh, that would be a that would that'd be a big part of it for me. Um, other than that, yeah, preparing, uh, being we call it ta- top table behavior in Canada. If you're if you're playing to be on the top table, you have to be uh, prepared as uh, <laughs> outside the game as well as in the game. Um, so you got to be you know not getting too crazy the night before or anything like that. But top that's, table that's behavior. Different... I, I like yeah. that. So that's and what's really funny is. Uh, I went to a team, a local team, not a local team. It was in Arizona. But I went to a team event with uh, Matt Root and Brett Perkins as my teammates. Um, naturally, oh. I'm not a good player. They t- they carried me. I <laughs> Brett went five and zero. Matt Root or no, Brett went four and one. Matt Root went five and zero, uh, exactly like I planned them to. It was all, all everything went according to the plan, and I went three yep. and two. So I didn't oh, do yeah. terribly. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, it's all right. I lost actually to. A Chaos Space Marine player who was running Nurgle Chaos Space Marines, kind of like a mini Nurgle bike star, and a bunch oh. of ha- uh, some couple Havocs, uh, Mutilators, Obliterator, single Mutilators squads, Obliterators, some term- Chaos Terminators, and I lost. Um, so it was, uh, it was embarrassing, but he was a really good player, and uh, he just outplayed me, and I kind of made some mistakes. And then I also lost to a guard player with... Okay. With some vultures. I'm not vultures. Vendettas, the the last cannon one, um, oh. and and a, blo- a two big blobs and a knight, um, and some chimera veteran chimera squads. So that which is really oh, fun. Interesting it's, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Cream of the crop, top meta stuff. Um, <laughs> it's unexpected, I guess. Yeah, maybe. But <laughs> were you playing your battle company in within thirty warp spiders? I was in thirty warp spiders. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and I actually beat two. I beat a uh, Tau Monster Mash list. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I did really well against the Tau Monster Mash list, and I played two Inari Eldar, like crazy Inari lists with like warp hunters and wraith knights and you oh, know man. yeah yeah warp spiders they they're they're really the inari are really interesting um i'd like to just spend a whole episode talking about just beating them um oh they're so they're so cool they're such an interesting army yeah they're interesting to play too you don't they don't mm-hmm. they don't feel like eldar they feel like like uh bursty kind of kind of like glass more glass cannony than eldar are supposed to be you have to play them a little, you just have to play them a little differently or they can take the game away from you um, but I, I beat I won all those games. I, I you know I beat the dude with the doubles with the single storm surge and the riptide wing and the the three Varas. You know I beat the two crazy Eldar lists. Um, so I beat the gatekeeper armies I was supposed to, but I mm-hmm. lost to two two armies that you normally don't see at top tables. 
Um, well, that's funny, eh? That you could the, the thing you didn't prepare for is the thing that uh, that got you knocked out. But the thing, yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but um, b- back to my point, um, which was I completely forgot my point. We we're talking about the top eight and the top table mentality. Uh, mm-hmm. the, so Brett and Matt are two players that even they were they went they were having a great time. Brett's planning on moving away soon, so he plans on maybe taking a step back from the 40k tournament scene, large 40k tournament scene. And Matt, we kind of we paid to fly Matt Root down because we needed a third person. Oh wow! Yeah, and talking to these guys, they they all they always were kind of in that top table mentality uh, until Sunday when when Matt Root and I stayed up to like two a.m. playing miniature golf and watching a movie the movie Logan. We had a great time. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm was, coming down awesome. for that. By yeah. the way, Matt Root is is such a fun player to play mini golf with. He's always taking Believe pictures. Him, yeah, yeah he, he's always taking pictures and rooting you on. It's just, he's an absolute guy to play mini. If you ever get a chance to play mini golf with Matt Root, he'll probably beat you because he he beat us both times. Um, I did okay. really bad both times, but I'm not I'm not a mini golfer. <laughs> um, but but uh, you know, get a, play play mini golf with Matt Root if you get a chance. Um, but, well, he's yeah, he's coming to ETC for Team America, so boom. maybe we'll see him there. There, yeah. there you go. Find a mini golf uh place in Spain. I'm sure yeah. there's one. Maybe there's like a bowl rampaging throughout the or is that is that too stereotypical <laughs> i mean maybe a silver galleon instead <laughs> yeah uh, across the mini sure. golf thing but yeah challenge issued for sure matt <laughs> if you listen to this <laughs> play dan dan and matt at mini golf um but yeah. saturday night which is the the second going into the second day they were a lot more reserved everyone kind of just wanted to stay home and we talked about what potential matchups are going to win because as a team we're three and oh and we'd already we'd already beaten some some of the teams we were kind of expecting to beat, and mm-hmm. there were a couple teams that we we knew for sure that we we could lose like they could very well lose us. There were there were some stacked teams there, and we knew they were playing them round four and round five, so we had to kind of prepare for that. So it was a lot more serious. Um, and ditto Delvio. I hung out with a lot of the players that made the top eight the Saturday night before, and a lot of them weren't drinking. A lot of them were kind of just hanging out, taking it easy, talking a lot of forty k. And that kind of community and mentality is actually very important for doing well at these events. Dan, how many people did you travel to Adepticon with and to the Las Vegas Open with? Well, there were quite a few Canadians down at LVO this year. There was probably at least 20. Uh, and then at Adepticon, I think, uh, I think there was like probably a good 10 people. I traveled down with six. Wow. Um, but yeah, we jammed in the van and came down. Um, but it was, yeah, like you're exactly right. Being able to talk through, uh, different matchups and figure out that kind of thing, strategize in, uh, in an open format like that is incredibly valuable. And, you know, like you said, being smart and paying attention and being in the top table behavior is, uh, is huge. It's definitely, uh, the difference between, uh, success and loss sometimes. All right. Uh, So that's, that's how you guys make the top eight. Dan, is there any other tips you guys, you might have for someone who wants to do well at ETC? Or uh, or Adepticon or Lelvio. Um, that is what you said about making sure you're ready to play the gatekeepers is a huge piece of advice that everyone should take. Um, pay attention to the GTs leading up to it, um, and then the the most the most powerful advice is play the army that you're gonna play a uh, hundred times, a thousand times, as many times as you can get. Um, try not to flip flop lists too often. Um, get an idea of where you want to go and then make small tweaks. Um, 
and try and try and yeah, try and focus as best as you can because if you can do that, then you can really understand where your matchups are going to go every round. You're not going to be surprised when um, a, a small bike squad takes out your entire pink horror unit. You know that's going to happen next time. Or when a, a mutilator charges into your rhinos and kills two of them, and the dudes inside get pinned and they die to the mutilator next turn. You don't have any bolters or warp spiders anywhere near enough to kill it and it starts killing you and you realize mutilators are not bad <laughs> new meta mutilator <laughs> mutilator oh, was, death star let's God, do I it i can't believe i can't believe i lost uh, the way i lost was so funny um i needed twice i needed to so so i've got some funny stories and then we'll go on to the next the next top mm-hmm. the main topic of the show um so two two really funny things happened the first was um i needed a warp spider unit to because his 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 havocs he hadn't been moving and shooting them because they get relentless from the 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 Nurgle havocs the um yeah they're not Nurgle they're what are they the called? Death Guard one Death Guard thank you Death Guard havocs have relentless and he hadn't been moving them all game he's just been shooting them so I had one unit of warp spiders left they kept mishapping all game they finally came in turn four came in behind a group of havocs I needed one point maelstrom to at least tie maelstrom to potentially tie the game so to make King of the Hill a thing. Uh, okay. And I needed to push for King of the Hill. It's like I deep struck behind the Havocs, shot the Havocs, killed them down to one single Marine. He killed all the Warp Spiders, but one Warp Spider. So all that was left was one Warp Spider and one Havoc. And I needed a Maelstrom Objective 3. So I needed uh, a, six inch, a six inch move from the Warp Spider to get to the Maelstrom Objective. But I couldn't get there um, because I deep struck down. And then the Battle Focus got me within six inches. And then I... Uh, and then on that turn, on my turn, I I warped or I, I rolled like low on the assault jump. Basically, I was six inches away to get to that maelstrom objective three on my turn. And then his turn, he killed all the warp spiders, and he had one havoc left, and that one warp spider was left. And I was like, God, I hope he charges me. And when he was going into his assault phase, I was like, Hey, man, don't your havocs have relentless? And he's like, Oh, snap, man, thanks. And so he charged my warp spider with that single havoc, made an eight inch charge. <laughs> didn't kill the warp spider the warp spider didn't kill him i passed my hit run save and i'm like oh yeah baby he's gonna score this he just gave me the game i'm gonna play for gang the hill it's gonna be awesome i rolled three ones from a hit and run and didn't get onto the objective oh my god yeah so so i rolled oh man so it was so funny um he rolled three ones and he was like oh you needed that right and i was like yeah i kind of needed it It was kind of important um so i didn't get that and then there was another point previously in the game when I couldn't kill a mutilator out of my line breaker to deny him line breaker for a point. Um, mm. it, I basically, I, the entire game I'd had my warp spiders were jumping around everything, you know, getting eaten up by his death star, killing things or trying to kill things. And but all nine of my razorbacks, just imagine nine heavy bolts of razorbacks hiding behind a wall. So Havocs couldn't get to them and just all full, filled to the brim with Marines. Khan is in one of them. A- and, he his death star just finished killing a bunch of warp spiders so i just needed to kill this mutilator then i was going to move block with the rest of the right razorbacks um yeah. and then just get king of the hill so i put all my shots into this one mutilator it lives makes a bunch of two up saves so he gets line breaker and then from there plans were shot i, I had to actually get away from them so all my razorbacks scattered like ants and i moved 12 <laughs> inches moved six inches just an random directions and he deep strikes some terminators perfectly on Khan's razorback it, it was just it was just the funniest thing ever you should have you should have seen it like one minute amazing. yeah all the razorbacks were just bunched up 
just nine Razorbacks. Next, next, if you look blinked, they were all scattered all over everywhere. Because <laughs> the idea was, was that I was going to kill the Mutilator and then kill the one wound on a biker that he had left. Because he had one biker with one wound left. I was going to hopefully kill that after I killed the Mutilator, which would give him like a 10-inch charge instead of an 8-inch charge or 7-inch charge. Right. right? But that didn't happen. So anyways, it was, mm. it was, a, little, it was a little silly. Uh, it was a fun game though. Um, I ended up losing Maelstrom and King of the Hill, which, which you know, yeah. Hey, that's not, yeah. It sounds like it could have gone your way. So yeah, um, I understand. I lost. Uh, I lost Magnus to uh, twelve on the Zinch table. Oh, this is fun. At, you should, uh, you yeah. should explain this to everyone so that so they know, especially for all those players that have Magnus the Red. Yes, this is a this is a scary thing. So we went. I went into so at Adepticon, we went into the uh, semifinals. Yeah, semifinals. Uh, I played against Nick Nanavati. Um Talented guy, everyone knows who he is. He's a he's a great tactician. He won the uh, event. He won the entire event, so that's uh, that's something you can definitely say. Uh, again, again um, for like yeah. the sixth millionth time or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Enough that he doesn't have to win it anymore. Nick, come on. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, so he uh, decided to take the Zinch Warpstorm table because you're allowed to switch whenever at the start of any game. So he decided to go for it, and the first thing he said was, "If I roll a twelve and get Magnus, I'm buying you a shot." And I was like, yeah, you better, you better do that. So uh, as the game goes on, um, we go, we went into turn, I think it was turn three or turn four. Um, he forgot to do his grimoire, which I would never expect from uh, from Nick Nanavati. He forgot to grimoire. My screamer star was locked in with the blue horror unit. Um, I w- and I, I was just, I was just so happy because I was, if I can bust through those blue horrors, I was going to hop out. I was going to take both his screamer stars and a brimstone unit. And make both units just pop, just explode, uh, and that pretty much would nearly win me the game right there. Um, he rolls into his uh, warp storm. He rolls a seven, uh, rerolls the one with fate weaver, rolls the six. Uh, what that means is that he can nominate a zinch demon on the table, friend or foe. Uh, they have to take a leadership check. If they fail, they die. <laughs> if they pass, it then tur- whatever that model it turns into a lord of change. Oh, so no. either yeah, either way, Magnus the Red is dead. He's just gone. So he literally rolled the double six, and we shook hands, and we were done. Oh no! So yeah. <laughs> so he, so you didn't even couldn't even do anything with the Lord of Change. Well, it's like a bare bones Lord of Change, right? I think so. I think it's a pretty much just standard Lord of Change. Yeah. Oh, that's that's not very good. That's all right. No, it was. It, that's one of those things, like you were saying. You know, there's there's only so much you can do sometimes. Uh, as much as a competitive player tries to remove uh, randomness and add redundancy into a list. Oh, and we um, try. We try our best. Yeah, that's one of the definitions of a, a competitive Warhammer player. A lot of people find is that they they try and uh, remove randomness or limit it as much as they possibly can. Um, and that's a definition of like a competitive list most of the time. But at the same time, you know, if you can't kill a mutilator with sixty shots, and or if your opponent rolls double six and kills your Magnus, you know, there's, that, that there's only so much that can that's that can true. go on from there. Yeah, it's true. The the bigger one was the three ones. I thought that was silly. Because I, I, I was sucks. six inches away, so I just needed a four or higher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Three six. Yeah. yeah. So so that's and what's actually even I've got another a part two to that format that's even funnier. Is, um, Sean Naden and Nick Nanavati online had kind of like a little funny friendly dispute between taking the Zinch table just specifically to do that to Magnus mm-hmm. versus just taking the demon demonic warp storm the normal demon warp storm table. Uh, and there, and Sean was pro taking the Zinch table to to 
double six out Magnus. And Nick was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's lame. I would never do that. Um, and then Dan Platt rolls around and Nick's like, oh, yeah, I, oh, guess behold. Oh. I guess I'm going to shoot for this. Why not? It might work. Um, yeah. And then it, he it didn't works. have the encouragement or anything either. He just, he had to actually get the double six. Yeah. And yeah, you know, he hadn't really, he rolled a different number. The game would have been different. Right. But so the moral of the story is, is listen to Sean Naden. Yeah, that's, that's probably true. His list was uh, was impressive to say the least. Yeah, he had a he had Eldar and Flyrance. It was a, yeah, the, like a the good, spore mines, right? Yeah, with spore mines. So he had Eldar, Wraith Knights. I imagine normal Eldar. Uh, I think there were warp spiders in there. I think he had some swooping hawks or shining spears. One of those two, uh, and then Flyrance. Just as many Flyrance as he could fit. Really nasty well, see, list. The, the, the majesty of the list. The, I, I hope I'm, I hope I don't blow up his ego. Uh, too much, but the majesty of it is the spore mines with the incarn. So he had the incarn. He didn't. I don't think he had a wraith knight. He had the incarn of uh, Inyad. Um, and the the interesting part was that every time one of the spore mines died, a they don't give up a kill point, which is great. But b a unit died, so his incarn can then teleport to wherever the spore mines are, and the whole board is covered in spore mines. Oh, and he can detonate them when he charges. Exactly. So it's a it's a it's a great trigger for anything oh. that Inyad has. Oh man, it was it was. It was wow. like an orchestra. My buddy played him. Uh, Chris Haynes, who uh, who helps run uh, Canhammer, played against him, and he was just in awe. He told me afterwards, he's like, "That was the best way to lose because it was just like Sean was conducting an orchestra of pain." It was uh, <laughs> it was awesome. it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty impressive to say the least. Yeah, no, that's that's actually I, I, I wish I'd been there. That would have been really fun to watch. Um, but yeah. yeah, that sounds like a great list. And then uh, Tony Grappando, who made the final table. Against Brandon Grant, round six of the Las Vegas Open, another phenomenal 40 key player. Yeah, he played Nick Nonavati in the finals. He was running a gatekeeper Taudar list, the the most gatekeepery of gatekeepery Taudar lists you could possibly think of, with all the usual suspects, um, mm. and made the top fi- the final table at the LVO um, because he's a phenomenal player. Definitely, just, it, it, like you said, it's, a, it's a, not like quite a cookie cutter list. He had some interesting choices. Yes, uh, but definitely something you could expect to see. Absolutely. In a in a competitive event, yeah. Yeah. So and then of course, Dan, you brought Magnus and Void Shield Generators. Uh, Nick Nonavati had an interesting list too. Uh, the winning list at Adepticon was two Screamer Stars. Um, so he had like five Anarchic Herald Zinch Heralds of Zinch on discs, mm-hmm. um, two units of Screamers, uh, and then Bellacore and Fate Weaver and some Brimstone Horrors. Yeah, that was his list. Pretty much it. Yeah, pretty much I think it. he summoned everything he needed to. Oh, he had servo skulls too. But, oh, yeah. oh yeah, he had Inquisitor with servo skulls. You're right. Yeah. yeah, he starts off with something like 35, 38 warp charge or something like that, and and summons uh, summons an incredible amount of models very quickly. Yeah, Reese was telling me about uh, how he walked by Nick Not one of Nick Notavati's games, and Nick Notavati summoned like 3,500 points or 3,000 points of models, just just summoned them throughout when one summoning phase, and he looked over at Reese as he did that. He was like, "This is so stupid," and Reese was yeah. like, "Yeah, that's that's crazy." Um, so summoning summoning can get really really dumb really fast, especially if you're lucky and you get a lot of you know four dice summoning unit, four dice summoning unit, um, and just get all the different, and then you start chaining summoning too. So you like summon pink ores, and then they summon pink ores, and then those pink ores turn into like a bloodthirster or something. Yeah, well, luckily the luckily the pinks can't roll on demonology anymore, oh, so uh, that can't change. Me. <laughs> no, you can summon heralds to do it though. There, the same thing. You just go. roll sacrifice and summon heralds, and they can ching. Yes. Eventually, the next round. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the demon those armies that 
that players play, like like Sean Naden's list and your list and uh, Nick Nottavati's list, those those demon lists with all the different options. And uh, Sean, Na- basically, if you have a list, if you're a really good player and you build a list that has a bunch of different options um, that you can control, things like the spore mines and like summoning um, and psychic powers, just all those all those options of psychic powers, that those are really where the best players come out. Is when you start giving the best players more options and more flexibility to do different things. Those are some of the scariest players you'd be able to play ever. Like the hands down. Definitely, yeah. Anything with like that level of uh, uh, variability, but still being uh, reliable, can is is a is a master's list for sure. All right, so guys, we're gonna go ahead and go into a commercial break where basically you guys can hear the guys over at Life After the Cover Save talk about what Frontline Gaming has to offer. And if you want to go into our secondhand shop, um, there's a lot of great stuff. This is, this will be airing on the eighth, um, and so I hopefully there should be like really a bunch of cool things like maybe a Thunderhawk, Space Marine Thunderhawk in our eBay store on the secondhand shop. In addition to a bunch of other things, a Riptide Wing probably already sold. Um, so we we always have all these all, and all these great things. And on top of that, I try to put up uh, combinations of things on auction at a discount for you competitive players. Now, for those of you who don't know, I run the secondhand shop for Frontline Gaming. And I, I like to get things like through Riptides. I, I will get all the magnetized options and steal them from other Riptides and then sell a full Riptide wing with fully magnetized options on the secondhand shop for and then start it off at auction for like 100 bucks. So that's $33 a Riptide, which is insane. They're, they're normally a ridiculous over, deal. Yeah, $90, $100 for one Riptide. Uh, so I try to do that for you guys just to kind of get people into competitive 40k on the cheap. Um, and then things like fully painted magnetized wraith knights scat bikes uh vols wrath support batteries uh even like necron stuff like uh the decurion what the canoptic harvest formation i i try to bundle those up and sell them at discounts for you guys so you guys can kind of just buy them uh, i recently sold like 50 warp spiders on ebay those sold like lightning fast they were the old metal ones mm. Um, so go into our eBay store, guys, if you guys want to get into competitive 40K. I, I push out the competitive models as quickly as I can as I get them, uh, just to get them out to you guys as quickly as possible. And then I just do little deals like that just for you guys. So, you know, go in there. And you can also email me, frontlinegamingsecondhandshop at gmail.com if you guys want to know, if you guys want to use me as your own personal mini store. I have a couple of people already doing that. They're like, hey, Pablo, when you get a... Uh, Imperial Guard Vulture in, could you let me know and I'll buy it right away. Do that for you guys. It's not a big deal. Anyways, this is Life After the Cover Save. Yo, get off the computer. I need to check eBay. I got an auction ending soon. Wait, what are you doing on the computer? I'm just buying some minis online. Are you saving money? Nah, dude, saving clicks. Time is money, right? Hey! What the heck was that for? Dude, you gotta buy from Frontline Gaming. They offer savings on minis every single day. And up to 25% off Games Workshop stuff. Whoa, that's better than saving clicks. With all that savings, I can take a few days off of work so I can paint these minis. Ow! You gotta stop that. It hurts. You know what hurts? Spending three weeks base coning models. Save yourself some pain and get them painted by Frontline Gaming's painting studio. You know what? You've got all the answers. That's why I'm glad you're my best friend. I don't know what I'd do without you. I could never hurt you. What are you looking up on eBay? I'm uh, selling a bunch of old models. Don't really use them anymore. Why aren't you going through Frontline Gaming's secondhand store? 
you can get money or store credit. I think you broke my nose. I don't like your tone, mister. So I'm just going to say this. Head over to FrontlineGaming.org for more details. And we're back. All right, Dan. I'm sure you've heard the news. Uh, it's been out for two weeks now. The Talons of the Emperor box and Sisters of Silence. Uh, what was yep. your first impression when you read those rules? Um, they are uh, quite interesting. Uh, the Custodes were all right. They got involves. They got uh, they got Land Raider. They got a Contemptor. Yeah. Um, that... As far as competitive scene goes, I wasn't too worried. Um, I guess you could say that they are more durable than the old ones. Um, but my focus definitely was drawn to the the ladies in gold. Um, they are they are something else, that's for sure. The, yeah, the Sisters of Silence. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, the Talons of the Emperor box set is a box set you can purchase through Frontline Gaming, I might add, uh, that has the rule books for both uh, Custodes Army Alijo Custodes Army and the Sisters a uh, Sisters of Silence Army. Now the Custodes are are as Dan said they they got they got a uh, Contemptor Dreadnought they got a Land Raider um but they're not very competitive. Uh, so because this is a competitive 40k podcast we're not going to talk about them too much in detail. Uh, though I have seen some really fun Custodes Death Star lists where they use Custodians as a base for a Death Star. And then they te- either teleport them around using the space marine powers or basically just mitigate their mobility. And you can actually use them as like little kind of cool meat shields um, because they're, you know, they have the two wounds and they're eternal warrior. But you can give them feel no pain and they have good saves. So they're kind of cool. They're not super great in close combat in terms of killing outputs. Like I think wolves are just wolf stars are just better even without any support at all. I think just 40 Fenrisian wolves probably give a little more damage output than three custodes. Uh, but they're cool models. So those are kind of neat. definitely, definitely cool models. It's, it's, we've all kind of been waiting for a plastic custode uh, army to come out. You know? Forever. How many conversions have you seen of them, right? A lot. There's gray knight. Yeah. There's a lot of gold gray knight armies out there. that are kind of weeping because they just became irrelevant. Yeah, a little bit, but uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so the sisters of silence. Now the sisters of silence got, uh, they got a new detachment, um, which lets you take up to three of them. And they also got a shiny new Rhino for 45 points. Uh, the Rhino has a 12-inch bubble. And basically, the Rhino has the Psychic Abomination rule, um, which I think is kind of neat that GW put in the Psychic Abomination rule and and bypassed their FAQ when they basically said Auras couldn't extend out of vehicles, um, which makes the Sisters of Silence even more valuable from a competitive standpoint because now they're a pretty much the only one of the only models units that have the aura that can extend out from their vehicle um and this is huge because that aura shuts down psychic powers and what we're going to be talking about today is how players can deal how psychic players players with psychic death stars and chaos demon players how they can deal with sisters of silence um because i think that's one of the big things that people are trying to figure out right now and I think there's no large events coming up in the next few weeks. Um, so a lot of people are kind of scrambling to figure out what the best way to deal with sisters. So, Dan, all the psychic chaos demon players want to know, what do you plan on doing to deal with sisters of silence? 
This is uh, this is a question that, like you said, has been rallying around uh, a lot of the competitive chats. A lot of the uh, a lot of the a lot of the competitive demon players are definitely looking at them with uh, both eyes open. Um, the the real answer is it's going to require some heavy adaptation. Uh, current demon lists uh, current demon lists are definitely mostly dependent on psychic powers. Because they had ways of dealing with the the sisters of silence and the Colossus in other ways, um, but yeah, definitely going to require some some heavy changing to your main list. Um, me personally, that's a good question. I haven't settled on a specific way of doing it myself. Um, there are definitely some contenders though. Um, number one would probably have to be Renegade Alliance. Yeah, absolutely, and Re- Renegades. I- they're they're already immediately where you guys should be jumping uh and this is why i mentioned earlier in the podcast why i thought renegades were going to jump up in popularity it's also because a lot of players are going to hey they're going to have guard players guard friends who play imperial guard probably don't play 40k as much anymore if at all they're like hey buddy can i can i buy a few artillery pieces off of you you know i need them for an event or can i borrow them and the guard players gonna be like okay sure no big deal i'm not using them um and i actually see that a lot happening here in the San Diego scene, uh, which so I'm not just pulling it out of thin air. Like I'm actually physically seeing that happen all the time. There's guard players here in San Diego who who either sell their stuff to players. Uh, there's actually like four renegade players down here too. Um, so yeah, there's there's so you can uh, you can already kind of see that here in in my local meta, and I'm sure people are doing it all over the country and all over the world. Uh, and I, it's very important. The reason why they're doing that is because renegades can bring things that kill rhinos and kill marine equivalent models for cheap um for 400 points you could probably run enough renegades to shoot all of the sisters rhinos out of the rhinos and maybe even kill a sister squad yeah exactly that That definitely wouldn't be difficult at all considering their their yeah incredible points efficiency uh, out of their book um it definitely points towards a good option for dealing with them you're looking at quad mortars you're probably looking at laser, uh, laser destroy rapiers, um, and then any HQ you really want. The easy one's definitely the Ordnance Tyrant. Um, but as far as that goes, that's that's a very uh, quick and easy way of changing your list to deal with the Sisters of Silence. Um, otherwise, you're looking at a potential denial of the entire board uh, and losing all of the psychic dice that your army so heavily depends on. Yeah, and then you can't hurt them with psychic powers too. Uh, the other big reason why chaos demons are really worried about dealing with Sisters of silence is uh, demons don't have—they hardly have any shooting. Um, they have other other without dipping into allies. Uh, pure chaos demon lists. They have soul grinders. Yeah, and, uh, uh, soul grinders, and the other big one would be the exalted flamers. Oh, and the, the exalted the flamer the exalt the exalted flamers and the chariots, the flamers yeah. inch the chariots. Uh, those are those are both good shooting options to deal with the rhinos, um, and then the thing you guys want to talk when we're talking about the sisters of silence, we're not talking about just the five sisters, because um, those by themselves they're not really much of a threat. Uh, it's when you combine them with the fact that they're only fifty five points, or, or sixty five points, sorry, um, and they're the rhinos only forty five points, and the rhino is really the big addition here, because. On top of the Rhino being mobile, having the Psychic Abomination roll, which effectively can give you a maximum of six, six units that shut off Psychic Powers on the board, 
Uh, it also, with the detachment, the way a lot of people are reading the detachment right now, it's for every unit after the first in this detachment, um, which if you include rhinos as a dedicated transport, uh, they would also count, which means the bubble would expand out another 15 inches from wherever the sister is on top of that 12 inches. So you're looking yeah. at a 54 inch diameter bubble from each model or from each model or each unit in that attachment. So it can get out of, it can get very out of hand very quickly. And the real reason why this is scary is because normally as a death psychic death star player, um, I can attest that when I get first turn, my death star powers up and it's not going to die. I, I don't, that's it. Like I, I power up and I'm good. I don't have to worry about it anymore. I just start shoving it down my opponent's throat. Uh, with the sisters players, they can actually afford to let you go first and they can drive up the rhinos, shut you off no matter where you are, and then alpha strike you off the board or kill an important character. Mm -hmm. um, and there's not, with the exception of Brandon Grant's Wolf Star, in terms of uh, there's not a lot of Death Stars that rely that don't rely on psychic powers right now. Uh, Brandon Grant's Wolf Star with the uh, Azrael and the Priest, that's an exception. That's not the rule. That's not a very common star. Well, it's a little more common now, but it's still not very common. Uh, so yep, that's... Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that's and then you'll never get your powers ahead. up again because they'll take all your dice, right? Yes. Yeah. They'll, they'll, all... you'll, you'll never get your powers up again unless you kill them uh, with some sort of shooting. And even then, the damage might already be done, too. So I actually I see Sisters as more of an Alpha Strike utility unless you want to splash them and kind of use them as like a reserve thing. I, I don't know. I just personally would use them more. Like if you were to run more than two units of Sisters with two units of Rhinos, I would use them as an Alpha Strike to just cripple Psychic powers, Psychic units. And that, and they can also score objectives. They're in rhinos. They can drive around. They have AP. They have power swords, strength four power swords, at initiative five. That's yeah, definitely bad. reasonable. Definitely reasonable. So, how do you how do you deal with how would you deal with Sisters of Silence? First off, so how would you deal with Sisters of Silence with just your list alone, with your your Magnus list? You have with right my now? the list I brought to Adepticon. Uh, um, yes. That is a, a very good question. If um, the big part is the level of commitment the players put into the Sisters of Silence. Um, if it's just a squad, Magnus can actually deal with them pretty efficiently. He can summon a couple units, they can go after them, they can probably take them out. But be, like you said, you're exactly right, the, uh, the, the, the Rhino addition means that those units aren't nearly as efficient as taking out the Rhinos and the guys inside, the girls inside. Um, so my list is probably not going to work out very well against Sisters of Silence, in all honesty. Um, that's going to require, like I said, some heavy some heavy changes as far as that goes. Because um, Psychic Dependence just isn't going to work. The only thing I really could do would be to uh, bank on the Grimoire, send them in, and hopefully take out enough Sisters to take them all out and get my powers up the next turn. By that point, you're playing on the back foot for the whole game. Right, because you're, you, you're devoting a unit like, like Magnus or a Screamer Star to killing 110 points and models so you can mm -hmm. so simply so your army can function yeah uh, yeah it, exactly yeah and in the meantime your opponent's busy doing they're they're running an imperium army um they, those sisters are backed up or eldar taudar right so those sisters are backed up by some of the hardest hitting shooty armies in the game right so taudar they'll just shoot you off the board while you're dealing with these 110 point models um and if they manage to get lucky and shut you off your defensive powers before you get a chance to to really kill the sisters you're in a lot of trouble mm -hmm. and on top of that 
they have the ability to kill the models you summon to kill the sisters. So if you summon a, a chariot, it's not going to be it's pro, it's not going to be affected by cursed earth. So it'll always scatter if it's within the sisters' range, which it'll probably have to be because the the chariot of Zinch has such short range weapons. Uh, you're not going to yeah. run soul grinders. That's just not going to happen in a pure chaos demon list. Not with grab yeah. running around. Um, so, so when you try to summon things like exalted flamers and the chariots, the Taudar list and the battle company list can just kill them. They can just oh, you have a chariot, we'll just shoot you with a bunch of bolters and you'll eventually die. Or um, the the we'll charge a wraith knight at it or something. I don't know. They they have yeah, answers to killing the units you summon. So that's yeah. not that's not as simple as just summoning a unit and using it to pop the rhino and the rhino dies and everything's good um because there's a rest there's an entire army behind the sisters and they're cheap yeah you're totally right i think the the big thing is the the dependence on being able to summon a unit is going to be uh blanked out by the sisters uh because like i said they're gonna be able to cover potentially the entire board on turn one um so then you're getting only d6 dice and you're only manifesting on sixes so you have to roll three sixes on D6 dice to summon a single unit, and you're paralleling. Um, so what's going to switch for most demon players, I think, is going to switch over to things that you don't have to summon, and that they're efficient no matter if they have psychic powers or not. Okay, so what are some examples of this in demon list? So now what we're probably be looking at, you're probably going to be seeing a lot more incursion style lists. So you'll be looking at things like the Murder Horde, uh, which uh, are fairly resistant to psychers. Uh, and probably things like uh, like screamer units. So the burning uh, sky host and burning sky host, tally yep, band. those kind. Of, yep, um, that's probably more what you'll be seeing in the next few months, as far as uh, as far as demons go, um, because you're going to need things that, like I said, are going to be efficient without their psychic powers. Still going to be able to do work, you know. Yeah. Because um, otherwise, yeah, you're just going to you're not going to have anything that can uh, do anything functionally if you're going to be dependent on psychic powers. Um, one thing I think that is definitely true is I think that uh, this is more of, uh, I don't know if this is going to be prediction or not, whatever you want to call it. I think this is going to be a slightly uh, flash in the pan kind of situ situation. I think that people are going to run Sister Silence for the next two months and they're going to shut down all Death Stars. And then Battle Company and Taudar are all going to come back in full force. And then the Sisters of Silence become incredibly uh, inefficient. Yeah, obsolete, not useful. Uh, are going to drop off the meta, and then we can start seeing some of the psychic powers come back. Yeah. Uh, definitely not the same level as it would be now, uh, because there is the threat of the Sisters of Silence. Um, but I think that's definitely going to be something that uh, we can expect to see. Hmm. That is a very well-thought-out, astute observation from an amazing player. And I completely disagree with it. Oh, 100%. yeah? You think they're going to be in there forever? Yeah, I, th I actually think... so. So, uh, barring any any big changes from GW, I, I think that they're going to to keep giving the Imperium crazy things, right? So that you, might be so right, your yeah. yeah. So your your argument is very sound. Um, it, the Angels of Death powers are a perfect example. Um, people freaked out about the Angels of Death Space Marine powers. You know, oh my God, they're crazy. And then Spark in the Pan, Imperium had all these other better options than these psychic space marine powers and they got swept under the rug uh and then chaos space marines they got access to those powers um but you don't really see them too much even cabal stars uh james one of the better cabal star players in the world he doesn't and a good friend of mine he doesn't really dip into the new chaos space marines powers 
uh, much as much as the rest of the powers. And he doesn't really need them. Um, and that might be partially because of the ITC nerf, or there might just be because the the Imperium and now Chaos have access to so many different Battle Brother Ally Matrix options that they really don't need those powers. Now, Sisters of Silence, on the other hand, they're not powers that you roll on. They're they're just a thing. They're cheap, one hundred and ten point detachment. Even if you're limited in detachment for things like like Tau Tau Eldar Orcs. Um, guard not unfortunately not necrons unless you're allowing come the apoc allies uh th- they can all of those armies that like spe- especially orcs um actually are orcs come the apoc or are they desperate with imperium i always I forget. think they're come the apocalypse i think so but i'm not 100 percent either i feel like they should be desperate maybe i don't know oh desperate necrons i can say that much but yeah they are definitely um but the the point is is that uh you can start you, all of those armies will always be able to splash sisters, and they'll always have that option. And I, a rhino and five marine equivalent bodies is just so much better. That's like the the evergreen standard for a really good unit. That's why the battle company is so good. And the fact that you can shut off psychic fires, I just feel like they're always going to be a staple, and you're always going to see them. They're going to be like the new Inquisitor on Servo Schools, where people are just going to take them. Eldar and Taudar players, just, they're just going to be like, okay, this is my 110 mandatory 110 points, uh, maybe 220 points to deal with with uh, psychic powers. And yeah, you, you, sorry, yeah. Good. Uh, you might be right. You might be exactly right in the sense that it's uh, one of those units that you can take uh, pretty easily into any army. Um I think that spending 110 points on they're not quite marine equivalent, right? They're only they're only T3. That's true. Uh, there's only five of them uh, for 110 points with no ranged weapons for 110 points, right? No, Otherwise, looking bolt at bolt pistols. <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> those are sorry. those are nastier. I think they that's actually get one pistols. crack grenade too. That can it, they, they probably, I think they have psycho grenades too. So we can talk about them too. But that's still anti psycho <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah. Every time you run that unit uh, that you don't play against psychers, and if psychers are phased out over a month or two because of the Sisters of Silence heaviness, um, you're going to feel like you're wasting your points no matter what, right? If you're spending 110 points on two kill points that are only T3 with 3 plus armor and a Rhino, not like those are difficult for Tau or Eldar to take out, right? They don't, they don't care. They look at them twice and they're gone. Um, like a single Warp Spider unit could take out the whole, like both squads over two turns, right? <laughs> It's a, it's it's a little hard than that, but they'll probably die. They'll, there's a good chance they'll die anyway. Um, they anyway. I think I think every time you yeah spend the points on them, and you don't play against psychers, you're gonna be thinking, oh man, I don't know if this is worth it, right? Maybe. I mean, you're you're right. You're right in the sense that that it, you know, it's still 110 point point investment. Um, and people definitely felt that way with the assassin because the assassin's mm-hmm. 145, and mm-hmm. I know I know every time I bring the collector's assassin to event. I ninety percent of the time I think like why did I bring this guy? This guy is a command squad with melta guns and a drop pod uh, that I could definitely use right now. This guy is you know like an extra HQ choice or or whatever. Um, but the reason why I think the Sisters of Silence are so good is because they they are two kill points, um, but you mm-hmm. can reserve them. So right something that that a lot of people don't really use. Um, too too much or i at least think about uh in terms of what a transport and a unit gives is like for example in like vanguard strike when you're coming off your table edge and you're coming off the long edge uh kind of dawn war but vanguard is where this happens the most those rhinos in reserve are huge threats just because of scoring for maelstrom in the itc 
I, I'm, I'm only talking about this from the ITC's perspective um, because those are really the only missions I played. So when you have a Rhino coming off from reserves on the opposite side of the corner where you, you could just overload your army on one side of the board and force your opponent to deal with that and then just have that Rhino drive up 12 flat out, 12 flat out to get line breaker. Um, and then if your opponent kills it, the sisters can hide behind the Rhino out of line of sight because they're such small models. And then if your opponent maybe sends like fire warriors or i don't know i i don't know why i went to fire warriors your opponent would never send fire warriors to go deal with them um since i mean like, maybe to kill the rhino right right <laughs> um warp spiders to go one unit of warp spiders to go deal with them um if those sisters get a charge off of you even a lucky charge those warp spiders are dead or they have the ability to just constantly lock them in close combat um and i think their leadership nine i think they're actually fairly good in terms of morale um, they might even be fearless. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not fearless. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if that sister silence unit can get itself locked into combat with anything, you can't shoot it, and it's all the way in the corner. So you might have something like an ordnance tyrant or something that can shoot it in close combat, or like a death star, or like a mini death star to go bail it out. But those sisters are stuck there, and I actually do that all the time with my marines, um, in terms of just getting them locked in combat in my opponent's line. And then just forgetting about them, and then they get me line breaker at the end of the game or a mission objective or whatever. Um, so, that you, I just I feel like that utility, and not that's just one example, but I feel like a unit with that kind of utility, you should, is just always going to be used. But we'll see. That and people hate Death Stars. People hate the crap out of Death Stars. Um, that's true. Warp spiders, psychic Death Stars, and Ultramarines are the three things players hate. Forty K players hate. Well, it, a doubt. yeah, Ultramarines for a different reason than the other two. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're right. Ultramarines, uh, Blue Scars, I think are, are Blue Scars. Uh, I think that the probably the third most hated thing in competitive 40k, um, followed be. followed by Warp Spiders and and Psychic Death Stars. Uh, and I think yeah. that also might help is that the assassin. The reason why he wasn't always an auto pick is because he was never like a catch all for all the psychic death stars you know the psychic death stars knew how to deal with them it's mm -hmm. ice screamers over him they they shoot him they just charge him with a bunch of dogs or anything right the, the assassin dies a lot easier than the sisters the sisters are cheaper and don't die as well and you can actually when they when you manipulate them with reserve they come on moving on from the reserve they can tank shock they can move 12 inches when they come in from reserve the assassin can't do any of that the assassin just moves on six inches with a six inch fleet run and that's it. And he can't even kill things reliably in close combat. He just ignores armor saves, um, but he still wounds on a four plus. He's usually hitting on a three. It's it's just eh. He's not he's not he's not as he's a lot more underwhelming than the sisters. Yeah, I, I I can see I can definitely I can see what my assassin kills everything. I love my assassin. He, he's he's a bot. He's he, he's a he's super great. assassin. <laughs> yeah, my Calexus. I run every every time I run an Imperium army, I have a Calexus in my army. That's so don't so give me don't, don't yeah don't don't think that I don't appreciate the strength of these guys, uh, but honestly, like the the big answer there is that if you're not running three with rhinos, and you keep your sisters in reserve, the demon player wins. It's 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 if if that happens, the the meta has shifted enough that the demon player can play fine, because then he can stay on the board and fly off and come back on and control where he goes. Um, so if that's what if that's what the meta shifts to the one unit in reserve, I'm down. I'm good. Demons are happy. Yeah, well, you obviously wouldn't reserve. Well, maybe you would. I think it depends on the demon player. But maybe you're right. I'll, I'll you're accept. Right. I'll agree. I'll agree to this new exception. So the meta is going to shift. So instead of sisters being completely phased out, sisters are 
uh, or everyone running three sisters, everyone's going to be running one unit of sisters and rhinos, and then demon players are going to come back, and everyone's going to be happy, and psychic death stars are still going to be gone. Yes, that, that's definitely agreed. Demons will be fine, and it's like Death Stars will be dead. So right. that makes me double happy. I'm good with that. Good job, GW. Now you yep. just need to deal with warp spiders, and we're good. Yeah, there you go. They should just ban warp spiders. They're like, okay, guys, we made a mistake. Yeah. We they they tried. They tried with the yep. the Eldar FAQ. They they were like, oh, we kind of messed up. We should uh, kind of yeah, bring this unit back a little. Yeah. Like we we don't really want to sell any more of these models. We keep running out. They're such old models. Yeah, um, we don't want to print any more of these. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so moving on to uh, other ways to deal with Sisters of Silence with demons. Um, so you have Renegades. That's that's yep. kind of your your bread and butter. I think I agree with you that I think that's the go to competitive demon player battle brother faction. You have the detachment slots for it. Most most demon players do. Uh, they, you're not stretched for detachments like Imperium players. Um, so you you can take Renegades. There's your thing. Boom, you're done. Now, if you don't have access to Renegades, you don't want to run Renegades, or if your tournament doesn't allow Forge World, uh, what are some other Battle Brother options that you can take, or just options that you can take with demons in general? Um, yeah, like I was saying before, the the Decurion will be pretty good, I think, or the Detachment of Formations, or whatever it's called. Um, the Incursion. So, like I said, the Murder Horde, Burning Skyhost, great choices. Um, beyond that, if you're just looking at kind of, you could go, you could go CSM. There is an option for that. Uh, Chaos Space Marines do have some shooting attacks that could actually come in handy. Um, you're looking at Havocs, just to, again, blow those units up, try and get them off the board and out of range your units. Right. Because uh, anything the, like that could work. The the big the real thing with the sisters is is you just have to get them out of their rhino. Mm-hmm. Once you get them out of the Rhino, they're slower. Uh, you kill a unit, so their bubble is a little smaller. Um, and sisters by themselves are a lot easier to deal with. Even if you kill three or two or three of the sisters, their bubble is so much smaller, and their threat their threat range is just worse. They just yeah. you know they they charge things and and like even fire warriors laugh at them. They're like, oh, you're gonna charge two sisters at me? Whatever, we'll just overwatch you. You may kill one of us, and then we're probably not gonna run because you're only gonna kill one of us, and then that's it. You don't have yep. to worry about them. I keep going back yep, to fire. Right. I, I keep going back to fire warriors because I, I just see them as like the worst troop unit. Like the troop unit cowering in the corner. I just always imagine imagine a squad of fire warriors. Yeah, you're uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they do that for sure. Yeah, but um, so so chaos space marines. I relentless death guard havocs is might be an all right option. Um, you also you can also take flyers. Uh, Heldrakes might not be a bad choice if you have a way. To pop the rhino um, with anything, it, a hell drake will just roast those sisters. Just they're all dead. They do that to marines all the time. Um, yep, that's definitely true. You can also take uh, necron allies if you want to run some flyer for like do like uh, night sights. Night sights are pretty good at killing rhinos. I think yep. I think they're still pretty. I hope they're still pretty good at killing rhinos. I know they're nerfed a little. Uh, bad strength seven is always good. Yeah. Uh, but basically, any sort of shooting, uh, any sort of fast shooting attack, um, or long range shooting attack that can get to the rhinos, uh, and then once you get the sisters out, you need to have something like, like Dan said, like the uh, gore pack or a burning sky host, something that can get to the sisters that doesn't rely on psychic powers. Uh, preferably MSU. You don't want like a big unit. Uh, maybe plague flies. I think plague flies are actually pretty good at killing rhinos and killing the sisters. Yeah, they and, could do it for sure. And they don't really need psychic support compared to the rest of the the like especially compared to screamer stars and zinch um 
Definitely. You can just yeah, Grimmar them. Yeah. Uh, so that so that might be a good way to go around to it. Uh, if you're a Death Star player, um, first off, I, I, let me just lead this with a caveat. I don't really want to help you if you're a space. <laughs> if you're, I, I'm just joking. I'm I'm a I'm a space marine. Death, I play Death Stars a lot. I play Psychic Death Stars all the time. And pretty, ba- you know, super friends. Um, but if you're running a, a super friend style list, you you really need to be careful with sisters because you those lists don't have as much reach as the rest of them because the Imperium Super Friends lists are so much more expensive than the rest of the armies. Uh, the so and if you get shut down since you're so character you're so character reliant uh, because the, so there's let's just get into some Death Star psychic Death Star theory real quick. Uh, there's the two main Super Friend crazy Death Stars you can get the there's the Imperium ones and the Chaos ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chaos ones chaos death stars have better baseline units a uh, baseline unit is what the death star what all the independent characters attach to um they have plague flies they have screamers which move really fast uh they have two wound corn dogs uh they have even the the terminate like nurgle terminators um they also get independent characters that like the the world eater crazy dude who makes them move three inches every turn and three inch run and three inch charge um they get those characters to make their baseline unit even better so they get access to really good really good versatile baseline units uh spawn stars um but you look at the imperium side there's pretty much only two there's command squad bike command squads and wolves and that's it yeah that's definitely the main the main death stars you're going to see is the Ravenwing command squad with a bunch of iron priests and cyrules attached. Yes. Or you're looking at uh, yeah a whole bunch of characters attached to a, a bark star. Yes. Uh, and there are there are obviously there's things like the Thunderdome, which is a bunch of space wolf characters with little wolves um, that all attach to something. But you're pretty much going to attach your independent characters to either a bike command squad, either a Ravenwing bike command squad or a White Scars command squad. Or wolves, a bunch of fundraising wolves. That's pretty much what people attach them to, like 80-90% of the time. Uh, the reason why that's important is the Imperium Death Star's independent characters, Celestine, Asriel, priests, librarians who are very, very weak, um, uh, and you know they're very, very important linchpin units. Um, maybe not the Beatsick Chapter Master so much, uh, but... Those units are all really good force multipliers that are extremely important for how an Imperium Death Star works. You take away Chaplain, it's very easy for that Death Star to lose Fearless uh, because they don't have access to Fearless. There's not a lot of base units in Imperium. Neither one of them are Fearless, basically, the Command Squads or the Wolves. Uh, And that's really important because a lot of time your models are running away on 3d6 inches because they're moving so fast. Uh, And you don't want your Death Star to run away, period. You don't want your Death Star to lose morale, uh, to lose combats, which happens often. Um, you don't want them to, to run away because uh, that could really mess with your plans because this is where all your eggs are in this one basket. Um, Celestine mitigates that a lot because she's fearless and she's also impossible to kill. Um, but if you look at librarians, uh, those can easily die. So when you start losing characters with the Imperium Death Star, you start kind of losing your utility and you start losing special rules. But if you go to the the Chaos Death Stars, they because they have such good baseline units, their Death Stars still pack punches even when they start losing some key characters. Um, you basically just need to keep the Grimoire guy alive. Uh, I don't actually play Chaos Death Stars, so could you help me out here, Dan? Is there anything? Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Uh, the the main parts of the units can survive a lot better uh, without buffs, 
because of like things like the grimoire and their base stats are pretty durable. So yeah, you're looking at keeping grimoire alive and making sure that you uh, make sure you know keeping that it can go off. So probably you're looking still even at Fate Weaver, even though he can't really cast powers uh, in Sister Silence range. You're still looking at keeping him uh, usable. Yeah. Uh, so and, on the yeah, and the other thing too is with Chaos Death Stars, they're force multipliers. People like Fate Weaver, uh, a Lord of Change with the grimoire, Magnus the Red. That they they don't need to be in the Death Star to buff it, mm-hmm. right? So that's, they can yeah that's definitely another... function more independently than uh, than an Imperial one can. Right. So which gives Chaos Death Stars a little more tactical flexibility in terms of just dealing with multiple threats. Um, so this all goes back to how each Death Star deals with Sisters of Silence in Rhinos. So as an Imperium Death Star, uh, you already put you're already putting so many points into that. Um, you, I think you really need this. I think you really need to start instead of adding a whole new detachment because you're also stretched thin with detachments too. So you're stretched thin with points. You're stretched thin with detachments. If you were playing a an event where your detachments are limited, like an ITC format event, um, so you can't just ally in renegades and shoot the sisters out of the rhinos and then charge them. Uh, so I think if you're playing Imperium Death Stars, I think you need to kind of rewind and think about taking the psychic part out of the Imperium Death Stars. Uh, and you actually have access to, you actually can do that very well. Uh, so if you're an Imperium Death Star player, I would look at Azrael to give your your baseline units a four plus invuln. Obviously, Celestine, she's huge. She's armor vein. She can kill the sisters by herself, uh, and she doesn't have to worry about psychic powers. Uh, you can also look at priests. Um, there's also another cool thing uh, in the Inquisitors. I found out there's an Inquisitor that you can take a relic that gives it, on a leadership test. He lets a unit scout. Or his unit yep. scouts, so it's it's I think it's the the ecclesiarchy tome or uh, I don't remember the Liber Heresius. The the Liber Heresius. Thank you. Um, so you could take an Inquisitor with the Liber Heresius with rad grenades. Uh, there's a ton of different independent characters with different. They're actually cheap too. Cheap independent yeah. characters that that can give you buffs uh, to kind of mitigate that. Um, Cipher Cipher gives a uh, unit shrouded. I'm working with Cipher right now. Um, to basically give my wolves shrouded. If you put them in terrain, any kind of terrain, or if they're obscured by any units, that's a three-up save. That's with Cipher. That's right. He also gives them hit and run, which is which is awesome. So just that, and you don't need psychic powers with him. Uh, so you need. I think Imperium Death Star players instead of instead of buying like Thunder Fire cannons or quad mortars um, or maybe like a command squad in a drop pod or something to kill the sisters and their rhinos. I think you have to play uh, cheaper, not psychic reliant death star, Imperium death stars, and then focus on obsec units to kind of extend your reach out. I think that's probably the best way to go. Uh, if we're dealing with sisters uh, and then for chaos death stars, I don't really, I think you, I think the same, I think you bring renegades. <laughs> yeah, Renegades is an easy choice for sure. Uh, the nice thing, if you can pull a Treason, or sorry, uh, uh, the Cabal power off, that actually can go through a Sister's Bubble, uh, since it doesn't have a spell type. So you could actually use your enemies, you know, let's say they're running with Tawdar, you can grab their Storm Surge and blow up the Sisters of Silence. I didn't, um, so I that, didn't know that. that That's be... actually interesting. How did, yeah, yeah. So it's, not a, so it's not a Malediction, or how, do, yeah, how does exactly it... Yeah, exactly right. Okay. Yeah, it's not a malediction. It's thirty inch range. So if you can make you know make that go off, uh, you can actually fire that through a Sisters of Silence uh, protection bubble um, and take over that. So that's that that could be that could be the answer right there if you have a cabal. Um, 
but that's only with the Cabal. That's not with Magnus. Magnus gets blocked by the the bubble because his is actually a malediction. Hmm. Um, other than that, yeah, it's a little little tidbit. Um, yeah, Renegades again, same kind of answer for the Chaos Demons. Um, you're looking at Renegades would be an easy choice. Um, luckily, the Grimoire uh, is isn't a psychic power, so they can still run up and charge the Sisters Rhino, surround it. And usually, you know, the unit has enough dogs that you can block off the entire rhino and both units could potentially die. So that could, you know, you could take out potentially all their psychic defense in one one fell swoop. Sure, you can take an extra turn of shooting, uh, but you're going to do that anyway if you're going to take this, if you're going to take out the Sisters of Silence. Hmm. So that what, could be an answer. What do you think about running two Death Stars? Uh, I know I know that's becoming a little more popular in Chaos lists. Mm-hmm. Like the Screamer Star and the Cabal Star? Yeah, or, or anything. Um, uh, I... I know, uh, I think, I think it was Kenny Boucher from the Long War. I think he was running a dual Death Star at Adepticon, uh, and I, even though he didn't do extremely well, I think he went three and three, which is not bad. That's respectable. Good job, mm-hmm. Kenny. Uh, the idea of it was, I think one of them was not a psychic supported Death Star. No, I'm sorry, Kenny. Ru- Kenny ran Imperium. He ran a an Imperium Death Star. Okay. No, it was someone else. Uh, d- doesn't matter. Uh, you run. You can run like a Death Star, like a Drone Star, um, or maybe even just a Screamer Star with just the Grimoire, mm-hmm. uh, and and then you just use that to deal with the sisters and kind of harass the sisters, and then the rest of your psychic powers kind of hopefully, hopefully fly around and mess with them. I mean, you can even run Magnus at the Rhinos because you don't need to kill the the sisters. Uh, you can just kind of kill some Rhinos, and then the rest of your psychic units can basically if you lower that bubble the rest of your psychic units have more room to operate yeah yeah you're right if you can punch through some of the units and start lowering the bubble or get like make a little safe zone of where your psychic powers can go luckily most of the chaos psychers are the the top ones either on bikes or on discs or uh flying monster creatures so they can at least escape into that safe zone and start doing their thing and then they can really start putting the hurt on so uh, if you can have at least one unit that can go in and punch through the Sister Silence unit, or go through the Rhino, or go through and go through the unit, and you can make that little safe zone, um, that will probably save a lot of headaches uh, early on. But again, you need something that can go in and do it without their psychic buffs up. Yeah. Uh, now, if as so, we're winding up there our our Sisters of Silence coverage. Dan, how worried are you about them? Um, for the next two months, definitely worried. I think that it is something that is going to shift the meta uh, heavily. I think I, th- I think there's a lot of Imperium and Tau and Eldar players painting gold right now. Um, I think that there's a lot of Chaos players that are um, expand going through their Forge World books, figuring out ways to defeat them, um, just to figure out some some kind of answer. So I think definitely worried. Uh, definitely paying attention to where they're going to go. Uh, it would be where I would have to register. Okay. All right. So moving on to the final kind of subtopic. Dan, what's, first off, I didn't actually ask you this pre-show. I, I'm so sorry. What's your favorite 40K faction? My favorite 40K faction? That's a good question. Um, it definitely is Eldar. Eldar. I, I love Eldar. I love their fluff. I think they're probably the coolest army. I haven't played them in three editions because I don't feel like I could do that to someone. Um, but I'm hoping that they get a redo and I can actually bust out my Eldar army again. 
Oh, so, so you actually you don't like how how crazy they are right now? Yeah, I can't handle it. I played I played it at the team tournament, and it is they're unbelievably good. I I love I love everything about them. I just I, just, I can't do it right now. Fair enough. But that's just personal preference. Uh, so you've you've lately you've been dominating uh, the competitive 40k scene with Magnus and Demons. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that is that through choice or is that because you like Demons or is that just because you wanted to run Magnus the Red or why did you switch over to, or why are you using your Demons basically? Oh yeah, sure. I, I I love Demons. I love how they function. Um, I think that they are probably the um, probably one of the hardest armies to play in yes. 40k, um, but they're also the most rewarding for a competitive player because if you don't make mistakes, they will punish your opponent. Uh, but as soon as you make a mistake, they crumble. Okay. Um, uh, so I really enjoy that kind of high pressure, um, um, really rewarding kind of gameplay, and those are usually the kind of armies I go for. Okay. Who's your favorite god? Zinch, definitely, all day. Of course. Competitive yeah, I'm definitely a Zinch. Zinch. I know, right? No, but I actually do really like Zinch. Zinch is a cool, cool character. Um, that's how that's how I've always definitely most related to. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. no, Zinch is the the god who gets the most love, and Zinch gets all these crazy lists, right? Like you, you get like the Screamer Stars. Well, Screamers, first off, Screamers are Screamers and Fate Weaver are are like some of the and Herald, Pink Heralds mm-hmm. are Zinch Herald. They're like the best units in the Chaos Codex. They might even be like in the top ten units in the game, easily. Yeah, they're probably up there. You're not wrong. Uh, they haven't always been, um, but like in the in the old demon book, like this demon book's been out for I don't know at least like six years now, right? It's been a, it's been um, a while. Yeah, it's probably one of the oldest codexes, if not the oldest. Um, but uh, before that, the old demon book, uh, they were not what you took. Um, there was Fate Weaver for a bit, but that was uh, that was definitely different. Um, but um, yeah, it was mostly corn back in the day. Like everybody loved corn. KDK came out. Everybody loved corn. Uh, but definitely, um, if you know how to use a Zinch Demon, they can do work for you. So I can appreciate that. Okay, right on. So Dan, Dan loves Zinch Demons because they do work and they win him games because he's a competitive <laughs> player and he doesn't have a 40k narrative soul. That's all I heard. That, that, that's harsh. That's harsh. <laughs> I, I, I love, no, Zinch is pretty cool. I'm just joking. Yeah. No, no, I, I dig it. I dig the whole mysterious, you know, hard to get. I, I just like reading books. Like I, I like nerdy girls. Like I like that nerdy. I dig that nerdy vibe. You know, yeah. that that's that's kind of sexy. Um, <laughs> I, I've always, I've personally always been a big Nurgle guy. Um, yeah. I'm not a huge Chaos Demons fan, but if I had to pick a god, I, Nurgle seems like he's a pretty happy guy. Like you know, it, once you get over the fact that you're probably going to be disgusting, uh, you should accept the fact that he's making you better biologically somehow. Um, yeah, no. The, the stories they tell about uh, nerglings—they sound like they're just having the best of times. Like they're just having—they're—they're they're laughing, they're hugging people. They think they're making everyone around them more happy because they're like, just you know, exclaiming around them. They're yeah. having a great time. You're like, um, man, my guts fell out of my stomach, and the nergling's like, yeah, but you're not getting the flu anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah, but watch, watch this. This is like a skip rope now. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> they they relish in in what they do for sure. Okay, um, so I know I talked about in the beginning. I talked, I talked that we were going to go over um, some competitive lists for the gods. Um, mm. Unfortunately, we're running a little bit long on time. We're hitting an hour and forty-five, according to my recording. Um, so we're going to go ahead and call it here. Uh, Dan, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you, and you're you're a great player. I, I really cannot wait for the next for ETC. Um, 
Thanks, man. The, yeah, I appreciate the, uh, the invite. I, I know the American player, the American team, ha- they're keeping their lists hidden and under wraps. Uh, mm. Is that the same for you Canadians, or are you guys being more open with your lists? We are planning quite intensely. Uh, we're definitely enjoying it, but we're, we are trying to keep our lists in a more fluid state. So rather than locking things down now, we're really trying to be prepared for shifts in the meta um, and anything else coming up between now and then. Um, so that is our that is where we're at. We're definitely in a, a fluid state at the moment, if I had to describe it. Okay, so, so you guys haven't decided who's playing what factions yet? Uh, not in the sense that we have uh, locked anything down. No, we've got we got it on paper, you know. What faction are you gonna play? Are you gonna play Dark Eldar, pure Dark Eldar? Right. <laughs> Definitely. That's, that's all it's about. It's actually gonna be all <laughs> uh, Mandrake spam. Uh, Ooh, I like yeah, it. Yeah, like tell me 120 more. Mandrakes. Ooh. Okay. Uh, sadly, not today. Uh, actually, right now, and actually for the ITC, um, I'm planning to work on Gene Cult next. Okay. I are think you... uh, okay. There's a good chance I'll bring it to ETC. Um, I really like the idea of them. I think they uh, they excel in a lot of different ways, and in the same kind of way as demons, they excel when played um, with as little mistakes as possible. Nice. Um, so I think I really like the idea of making them work, and they might be a slightly lower hanging fruit than uh, than demons are. Just a little bit. Demons are yeah. pretty popular. <laughs> they're yeah. they're those are where, but you put your absolute best players, not not like you. No, no. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for coming on, Dan. Uh, tell me a little bit more about Canhammer, and then uh, you also mentioned something that I before about maybe like uh, something you were planning. I think. Mm, yeah. I, yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. So first off, uh, Canhammer is an association of gamers in uh, in Canada. Uh, they represent the Great White North in uh, in Warhammer 40k and uh, fantasy from back in the day. Uh, you can catch their podcast at uh, canhammer.com, uh, and they do a whole bunch of YouTube content. They do Twitch live streaming, all that cool stuff. Um, they're yeah, great guys. I play on their I, play, I played on their team last year for 40k. Uh, they're running a Canhammer team tournament this weekend. They run Capital City Bloodbath, uh, which is going to be a major in Ottawa, uh, Canada. Uh, huge event. Uh, they have a huge venue. Really, really impressive stuff. Um, I'm definitely going. Uh, that's the end of August, I think. I think it's the 18th and 19th or the 19th and 20th or something like that. Nice. Capital City. Um, yeah, exactly. It should be really, really fun. Um, so that's what they do. Um, I am currently in the works of working on my own kind of YouTube podcast kind of thing. You'll probably see me in the very near future, um, probably as Pablo with a guest. Ooh. And uh, But you'll see. I think, I think it's going to be the same kind of ideas, chapter tactics, but... Um, it's going to be from a, uh, a slightly different perspective, maybe a more from, northern perspective, above the wall kind of thing, you know? Uh, I, w- I was actually going uh, like northern, when I thought northern, I meant like a winner's perspective. A winner's <laughs> perspective? Oh, like northern, northern on, the, on the standings? Yeah. I see what you're saying. <laughs> I just I went colder, actually. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, but, but yeah, no, that sounds like great. I, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Uh, and then if yeah. that ever comes around, I'd love to talk about it. i'd love to at least give you a shout out on my podcast um and real quick that can hammer team tournament that dan platt was talking about that's coming up soon it's gonna be 80 players in five rounds that's yeah. that's not like a small tournament that's big that's that's like atc big yep and they're all uh yeah it's all it's a it's etc style event so it's a a four-man team tournament so you're on a four-man team kind of like the atc um it's gonna be awesome we have nice. a whole kind of setup where we 
uh, had a bunch of kind of like soft score points where like if you got points for you know talking smack talk about your opponents and you have to have giveaways and you have to have like team trinkets for soft scores and then of course battle points rules all at, at the end of everything so nice man it's well, gonna be a good time i can't wait for that coverage dan thanks for coming on man guys if you're listening and you need some list advice or if you're kind of curious about what to do if you're a chaos player and there's something i didn't cover go ahead and email me frontline gaming pdpob at gmail.com i've been getting a ton of your guys's emails you guys email me um i got some guy i helped him with a death watch list earlier uh, he told me specifically he didn't want to win events um so don't make fun of him for running death watch however uh, he definitely i think we gave him a better death watch list than what he had so email me I, i'm more than willing to help you guys out i like answering rules questions i know it's weird um but i like answering those questions i like helping you guys out and giving you guys advice uh, it it kind of fulfills me, makes me feel a little better, all warm and fuzzy inside. So go and email me. Dan, thanks for coming on once again. Next week, look forward to some great stuff. Maybe we'll talk about some team events. I don't know yet. And have a good one. Thanks a lot. See you guys.